Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to a special episode of I almost said the cursed other name. Kato. Remap yeah. Radio. You just wanna I, the, the the W's there floating in the air, just haunting us. <laughs> it, it is. I think at some point someone uh I think it was Rob like conflated the two and like mixed them up yeah. <laughs> yeah. in their mouth. I can't remember what it, what it was. It was like Repoint or re I don't but I remember reading a comment somewhere on somebody radio. talking about it. Yeah, yeah it was something, something like that where it was like the two just coalesced we, uh, we, together. We map we po- <laughs> we map mm. we map wait we yo. map <laughs> we, uh, is either baby talk or we map sounds like some new uh, Silicon Valley startup. Oh like, my look, god! Well, we here at gig we workers, map, gig um, workers mapping out google like street view shit that's it you get paid uh, not enough money to walk around we are breaking (laughs) out of the tyranny of google maps and Waze and apple maps here at we map we We are oh my god anyway we are here just to do a short setup for uh an interview that i did uh almost a month ago uh now it might be a month after um this actually publishes. Uh, I had a chance to chat with uh, the designer of uh, Citizen Sleeper, uh, Gareth Damian Martin, uh, ahead of the announcement of Citizen Sleeper 2, which was announced during the Not E3 week at one of those uh, festivals. It was a it was a really nice, like lengthy chat. I now part of it is going to be very funny because I was mm. like, oh, this is the first interview that I've done for Remap. And you're going to be the first interview that goes out. Untrue. 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 <laughs> Lots of interviews have gone out since then. But it was the first recorded interview. And yeah. so I I, um, I suppose that is what is, uh, at the end of the day, in our heart of hearts, the most important. Uh, Citizen Sleeper was a game that meant a lot to a bunch of us uh, here at Re- Repoint. Because it was technically at Waypoint. <laughs> and now we're at Remap. But the people yeah. at Remap, when they were at Waypoint... Quite liked uh, Citizen Sleeper. It was a game uh, that when Ren came out around the time that uh, Ren joined us, and as she was that was alongside Norco. And wasn't there a third one? Was there a third game in the uh, year of narrative the year bangers? Of narrative bangers. Um, I feel like there was. You know, those two. There was. I feel like there was another one, but those two were very closely tied together. Yes. I feel like Citizen Sleeper got a lot of the public attention, and if you'd like Citizen Sleeper, Norco's very different. But like, go play. Norco's, Norco's very sick. good. That's a, it's a yeah. great game. You can put on some clown makeup and be empathetic <laughs> about it. Um, anyway, we're not here about Norco. Uh, kind of when you think back, we did we did a spoiler cast on uh, Citizen Sleeper. Uh, I don't know yeah. that I came out of playing that game going, you know what I need? 
Citizen Sleeper 2. Now I'm here <laughs> and I and I am going. I am if the person who designed Citizen Sleeper wants to make Citizen Sleeper 2, I'm here for it. But yeah. like what were your some of your thoughts ever having finished it? I know you played maybe some of the DLC, but not all all yeah, of it. I'm but still just like as a <laughs> working through it. Yeah, but as a broader uh project, what were your thoughts at the end of it in terms of what you I don't know. Did you want more from it or a different world from that designer? Like where, where were you kind of at the end of Citizen Sleeper? I mean, I was really happy with the the way it allowed for a sort of maintained uh you can keep playing that game after credits, right? Um and it's it it became sort of kind of I mean it depends, right? Like you had an ending where it doesn't really it it'll the game will physically speak or physically, quote unquote, spit you back uh-huh. out into the game. But your ending was is kind of definitive in a way, and there are a few of those throughout. the 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 path that I took though ended up with me living on the station, and it 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 still like puts you back on the station, and like you can kind of just live life. And I thought that was very interesting that it was like, yeah, like things keep happening they become more mundane but like you still have the option to go back and and pet the cat do your rounds like say hi to everybody garden and like live life and like Mm -hmm. you know like conceptually just the like leaving the player that like post credits like now now just you can be in the world felt felt right and like i like you know, I didn't immediately think like, oh, I want more in this world, but it was already so open that I was like, it, I was ready. F- I was ready for it when it when it happened. I was like, oh, yes. OK, it's been long enough that like. I'm excited, especially because they, it, it is a new a new character that you're playing, right? It's not a direct sequel insofar as like you're playing the same person or picking up your old save, but you're in a new place in this universe, which uh, I think was the right route to take, and uh, I'm very excited to to see what uh, Gareth has uh, in store. Because, like you know, the, the the biggest thing that like that that I really enjoyed is just like the way that uh, him and the, the 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 people that he worked with were able to weave a story that felt so like mechanically tied, like. Like it's very tight. Yeah. Like, like, the, like there are so many games where the mechanics are influencing the narrative, but it's almost like the narrative is reactive to the mechanics as right. opposed to like, uh, like you could take out those mechanics and the narrative is going to do what it's going to do. But the, because so much of Citizen Sleeper was built around trying to uh, manage all these different spinning plates, yeah. um, whether it was uh, the different goals you were trying to accomplish, the kind of different submissions, whether it was keeping yourself safe and yeah. fed and alive uh all of that felt so tightly wound up with the mechanics where they're like you're speaking to uh you know the different things that you can sort of like quote run out of that uh make your life harder uh or or um uh like the actual dice rolls themselves and like the, how those influence your ability to move forward on those different objectives and that's what makes me so curious about the sequel which is you know, one thing that, you know, Gareth gets into in the interview that you're about to hear is trying to invent new and different stressors. Like mm-hmm. what are different ways to achieve some of the same goals of Citizen Sleeper, but differently? And that's 
it's like almost stressful for me to think about what are those new stressors <laughs> yeah. uh, because like that that there is such, there's an arc to Citizen Sleeper where you can kind of break the economy, right? And my favorite part of the game was the, those like the first I don't know five six hours or however long it, you know it, it takes you to get through a decent right. chunk of the game. It's like the first three fourths where you're hustling. Yeah, like there are times where like go to sleep, wake up. Man, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen tomorrow. <laughs> like, hopefully, hopefully a good dice roll because yes, I, pa, Papa needs some money, some food, <laughs> and things are a dire at the moment. Yeah. And then there's kind of a moment where those things stop mattering. It's actually more about you're just like running out of sheer time in order to accomplish goals, as opposed to uh, not having the the you know yeah there's no sense of danger it's more well i wanted to see this mission through but i didn't prioritize it earlier and i need this other thing to cycle through the world that lets me get these parts and yada yada like those sorts of things and so given a whole game that i think is pretty exquisitely designed very tightly wound like when you unwind a couple of those and put in new ones that's where i am really interested to see where they land on this is where i want you to be thinking about yeah. Um, and now, especially because now you're you're managing a ship, right? And you have people on that ship. So it's like even like the interpersonal relationships you're going to have with the characters on board this ship. It almost seems like maybe that is where like maybe mechanically Citizen Sleeper 2 is not all that different. But your relationship with the characters in relation to those mechanics is itself much more tightly. Yeah. Wow, because a lot of what's happening in the in the original is you sort of picking and choosing which story speaks to you and then choosing to go down that like that particular rabbit hole. Yes. Whereas here it may sound like, hey, we're going to make you care a lot about X, Y and Z. (laughs) And then it's going to be really hard for you to stick with or not screw over X, X, Y and Z. And that and like having those be characters and not uh, uh you know, necessarily feel like you're picking from like a mission selection list, which isn't right. how it's presented in Sin Sleeper, but sometimes it kind of feels that way when you're playing it. That sounds like a very rich territory for the game to be uh, exploring. Yeah, totally. And like just the, the, the way that they like structured the game as like, you know, it all, it felt very like you were saying you can kind of pick and choose, but like in like in like a good way for the where sometimes you can kind of see the decision trees and narrative games a little too clearly like this i feel like had a little bit more of like oh this this feels a little loose loose looser as far as like um uh like hitting certain um like stressors at the wrong time or like like the way that like things came up in order always kind of felt right and like part of this was the the, the sort of uh, fail forward writing style, right? Like of like, even when you fail a certain thing, the idea isn't that that means it's game over. That means that the narrative structure, the narrative stakes have changed as you continue to play the game, right? Like things went bad and therefore there's these other like narrative consequences uh, more so than like, and now game over, reload a, reload a previous save or something like that, right? So I think structurally it's set up to be uh that that's that structure i think uh can be malleable to all sorts of different types of narratives so i'm i'm you know excited to see what they come up with yeah the 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 steam description for uh citizen sleeper 2 which is uh uh citizen sleeper 2 star word vector 
uh, is uh, role-playing on the edge of a system in crisis. You're an escaped android with a malfunctioning body, a price on your head, and no memory of your past. Get a ship, find a crew, and keep uh, both running as you navigate the shifting landscape of the Starward Belt. Can you build refuge among the stars? And so I, I you know, maybe the thing I'll, I'll leave us on before we uh, get over to the interview itself is there's definitely in that original game is a like crisis of identity, which is sort of baked into the whole concept of the sleepers. Yeah. Uh, and then trying to find yourself a home. And so there, I mean, there is a sense of community, but you're kind of coming into another community and how do I, or can I function within it in a way that allows me to find, establish an identity, not be hungry, not be tired, yeah. not dying because you, what's the, 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 like the syringe you needed in order to the stabilizer, you know, yeah. the stabilizer. Um, I do wonder if, you know, this, this, this description gestures at, you know, can you build refuge among the stars? I wonder if like the broader thrust here is going to be in the first game, you are entering into community and sub communities. And how do you fit within that? Yeah. Here you're building and maintaining a community and that is itself a wholly different tension yeah. with wholly different stressors. And that sounds horrifying, but also <laughs> like really exciting in terms of different narrative directions the game could go in. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that's a, a good spot to, to leave it here. When we get to uh, the other side of this uh, brief break, uh, you'll be able to hear my interview with Gareth Damian Martin uh, talking about Citizen Sleeper 2, uh, Star Ward Vector, a game that does not have a release date yet, Kind of get the vibe that it's coming out sometime next year. But in between, uh, there are these, uh, I think, three DLCs that came out for the yeah. original game, if you haven't played that. And then there are, are those that kind of integrate into the game. And then also, there's, if you go, I believe, citizensleeper.com, uh, there is a, a website that is going to have uh, like narrative hooks. Uh, I believe they're calling the uh, Helian Dispatches. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, there is a Jump the Age newsletter uh, over at. Uh, Oh, jump over the age uh, in which you will be able to get these narrative bits that I believe are going to kind of bridge the gap between Citizen Sleeper and the sequel. So and if you're I looking for that in a different form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, see, there, there you go. Um, uh, you'll be able to get a, a sense of uh, where things are going, some, some fun world building. Um, but, you know, my thanks to... Uh, to, to Gareth for, for chatting with me. My apologies for the first interview being like the eighth interview or however, what number we ended up at. But uh, we kind because uh, um, we've been sitting on this one for a good, uh, a good spot to put it in. And because we didn't get this system shock one one out the door exactly at the pace we wanted to, because that podcast and that discussion is cursed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we've got this wonderful replacement while we work on getting that together. So uh, my thanks to, to Gareth for his time and, uh, Away we go. Hey everyone, welcome to a special edition of what I almost said was Waypoint Radio, but it's Remap Radio. And I, when I say Waypoint, it does not count to our, our 30 bucket of accidentally saying Waypoint that unlocks... Rob having to watch RoboCop 3. Um, so, unfortunately, I cannot contribute um, to to that total. But you can by encouraging the rest of 
remap to maybe do that. But I, I've been, I had the pleasure over the, the years of being able to welcome a number of wonderful guests onto our stage at Waypoint. And now I get to welcome new people to the stage at Remap. And the first person, I think, I can think of no better way to kick this off in the era of Remap than to have uh, one of the uh, creators and designers of a game that was declared by Renata Price to be the year of the narrative banger. Um, uh, Citizen Sleeper fell in there. Norco fell in there. There was a third game that I cannot think off the top of my head that also contributed to uh, Renata uh, declaring that uh, 2023 was going to be uh, uh, one of those years. Um, was that, tw- that was 2022. Time. Time. <sighs> anyway, that is a long preamble to uh, welcome our guest, Gareth Damian. Damn. Damian? Did I, get, did I get even close? Gareth Damian Martin? Yeah, close enough. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, let's go with it. Go with it. It's actually mostly my fault. Uh, this is what happens when you have a Romanian partner and then you combine your names um, to make one name when you get married because mm-hmm. uh, that means that we've got two names which are pronounced in different ways. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Damian Martin is, yeah, it rolls off the tongue for me, but I understand if, it, if it's a little difficult. But yeah, no. hi, happy to be, I'm so honored to be the, the first remap guest. That's crazy. That's very cool. It is tremendous. Uh, we, we're uh, welcome to have uh, you here and uh, even better welcome to, to, to have an incredible re. I mean, it'd be fine just to have you as a guest, but to be able to, I was able to tell Kato as like a secret little treat. We're doing a planning meeting. I was talking about some of the stuff I'm doing in Los Angeles. I was like, do you want to know something? What? Citizen Sleeper 2. He's like, no. I was like, yes. Yes. Uh, The reason we're chatting is because by the time people listen to this, they will uh, know the news that Citizen Sleeper 2 uh, is coming. Uh, Citizen Sleeper 2, the full title, you you got a 2 and you have Starward Vector. So Citizen Sleeper 2, Starward Vector. Um, uh, You know, first, most important question, why the 2 and the subtitle? You know, lots of games go in different ways. Is the 2, was the 2 not enough? Uh, Kind of. I mean, I think it's tricky with sequels, um, but it was always called that in my brain, I think because it's kind of a companion sequel. I guess, like, it's not a a sequel where I'm, like, I'm continuing the same story, but it's in the same universe. Uh, It's not a sequel where I'm trying to kind of, like, change everything or fix things or be like, well, this will be exactly the same as Citizen Sleeper 1, but better. It's kind of like a different take on... Um, some of the things from Citizen Sleeper 1. So I felt like having the subtitle kind of helped. I don't know, it just kind of naturally sat in. Real fans will know that, that Starward Vector is a um, is a phrase that appears in Citizen Sleeper 1. Uh, go find it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that, that's, and it, it's set in the Starward belt. Um, so Starward Vector felt like it was a good way to kind of like introduce that idea uh, that the, uh, the Starward belt um, is the setting. And then also um, you have a ship, and so Starward Vector felt like it kind of captured that that pro- more propulsive kind of like we're, we're going places now uh, in Citizen <laughs> Sleeper 2. So, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, you have to ask some deep subconscious part of my brain, but it felt fun and it, it fitted in. So, you know, you said you could find that title in the original, that phrasing. Did it have special meaning for you then or was that something that like took on special meaning as you conceived of what you wanted to do with this story? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's kind of... Um, 
it's more like a feeling. The it's an it's the name it's the name of a ship. So and names of ships are always an excuse for uh, like science fiction writers to write poetry. I think most of the time. <laughs> um, I'm looking at you, Ian M. Banks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, so it's uh, in fact Austin Walker is is a is a real one for that as well. I think. Um, but the yeah the kind of the the feeling of like what starward vector kind of represented um just kind of fit here and it felt fun that it tied in um to the game in a kind of like sneaky uh you know tabletop gm kind of way where you're always leaving breadcrumb trails all over the place which is what i like to do so yeah that was that was kind of like the feeling but i think you know the 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 idea is what part of what i wanted i'm trying to do with starward vector um you know it's set out in this asteroid belt you have a ship there's like the new character new characters that you meet are kind of potentially part of your crew or are involved in a in kind of like becoming part of your crew you're taking on contracts and i kind of wanted to try to make the um like the kind of cowboy bebop or like firefly game that people always say they want to make but then they go completely in the wrong direction and make a space game that's just about looking at how what the cost of iron ore is <laughs> at a particular planet, which I'm pretty sure never happens in Cowboy Bebop or, or Firefly. Um, I'm pretty sure those shows are about like living in a flat with a bunch of losers in space and trying to somehow like make ends meet, which is kind of similar to Citizen Sleeper in the sense that Citizen Sleeper is about living in a city with a, a bunch of losers trying to make ends meet. So it feels like there was a there's a kind of natural uh, connection there. And that was kind of like the, the starting impulse for me is I was like, I, I love these stories about like flatmates in space or like the kind of like gig economy in space that Cowboy Bebop kind of represents. And so I, I wanted to kind of push it in that direction. So Starwood Vector is kind of like, yeah, it sits alongside Citizen Sleeper, I hope. I hope. What was the uh, intention as you started working through this game, what you wanted to accomplish with it, always to tell a side story in this universe? Because as soon as I saw the two, of course, my, my natural inclination was, well, yeah, man, but I melded with that ship. I, I don't know how you're getting me out of there to do anything else. So that's got, I guess something creative is going on here. And obviously telling a story about a different group of characters is a convenient way <laughs> narratively to not have to explain why I've been ripped out of that ship after I like became part of it at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, I purposefully started Citizen Sleeper 1 with a bunch of sleepers escaping, right? Like 10, you know, the, the, the game begins saying 10 escaped and, and this first sleeper from Citizen Sleeper 1 doesn't know how many made it out, right? So there are other sleepers out there um, and this is one of them. And this sleeper's kind of had a different experience in the sense that th this is the game is set sequentially like after a time jump after Citizen Sleeper 1. Um, and so that's hence the two, I guess, you know, it's like, it is the, the continuation of like the universe story of like what's happening in the Hellion system. Um, and also, you know, this sleeper has kind of been out for a while and they've ended up in this situation where they, because of their need for stabilizer, like in Citizen Sleeper 1, they've ended up in kind of like a much worse situation than the original sleeper where they're tied to this, this gang leader who's in the trailer called Lane, who basically has been like keeping them as uh, his personal worker um, doing contracts for him and making money for him and just like doling out the stabilizer. Like, so he's essentially treating them just like the corporation did. Um, and so to try and escape from Lane, uh, the sleeper basically bands together with another character who's in debt to Lane called Seraphin. 
and they try to run this program that would rewrite the sleeper's code so they don't need stabilizer anymore. And in the trailer, you see that that kind of gets interrupted. It partially fails, and sleeper ends up with the malfunctioning body that doesn't need stabilizer anymore, but is like breaking and decaying in like new and strange ways. Um, and so that's it's kind of like a, a slightly different setup to Citizen Sleeper One. You're more embedded in a community already. But uh, that process of like rewriting your code has left you without any memory of that time you've spent uh, indebted to Lane or like with a kind of sketchy memory. And so you've also got this relationship to Seraphin who like risked everything to get you out. And now you don't really know anything about him. But he still has all those feelings for you as, a, as someone who like lived through hell with him. So again, like Citizen Sleeper 1, you're kind of coming to it fresh. And this time around, I'm kind of playing about with having you being more embedded into a, a community and having to immediately be tangled up in a load of stories. The the response to the game was, I think, for a lot of people, very personal. It seemed like you set up a game that was going to allow people to put a lot of themselves, even if they didn't necessarily have sort of like shared lived experiences with sort of some of the ways that the, the game was talking about you know, like the gig economy, body identity, um, and like developing those ideas of what I am and what I can become uh, over the course of, of a lifetime. Um, then the players take that and they put themselves into it. And then you as the developer get to observe that, kind of take that in. How much of what players put of themselves into the game and the response to it, did that end up informing your approach to the sequel and, and what you wanted to accomplish with it? I mean, it did in the sense that um, when I made Citizen Sleeper, I was very focused on kind of digging out all of the things that I found interesting and experiences that I found interesting from my own experience of the gig economy, from from my own experience of, of depression, my own experience of depersonalization, my experience of being non-binary, all of those things. I was kind of like mining those for for what I felt was like the, the 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 essence of like what was happening there. At the same time, I kind of felt that there were some bigger things about precarity and about the way that I had been exposed to risk that I felt were like not unique to me. They were they they felt generational. They felt like everybody or in my generation had maybe felt that kind of sense of being, you know, one bit of bad luck away from their life kind of falling apart, always kind of in that state. Um but when I made it, I really was focused on my own experience. And so the people's response being like, oh, this really strongly relates to how I've experienced the world was quite striking and kind of surprising. So I think in the way that it's informed Citizen Sleeper 2 is it's actually just made me more confident to pursue my own kind of sense of how I see the world from my own very subjective position and my own experiences and knowing that people will find a way to like make that connect with them i don't know it, it's kind of funny to me because like i'm, I'm a parent and lemmamina's story for example was like one of the most personal things i wrote in the game it's like literally contains some of my thoughts about parenting or what it means to be a, a parent and i didn't really expect people to connect to it because i was like this is all for like i'm doing this for other parents like i'm writing this for people who know um it's but for it me out- it's for me yeah. this i'm i'm reading this I just have to say this stuff because also because like I, I feel like kids are so underserved in, in science fiction stories generally. They're mm. almost just like objects that are in the background. So I was like, okay, I want a, a strong child character and I want 
all this stuff. But I was doing I was doing it for me. I wasn't like, yeah, people are really going to be. So I was so surprised, actually, at the response to Lemamina. So I guess, yeah, now with the sequel, I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to go off and do my weird thing. Uh, everybody said it's cool to, for me to do that. So I'm going to keep doing it. You know, it's interesting that you mention how much of yourself you put into it. And obviously it's abstracted to some degree because these are characters that you're writing and your experiences are intertwined with them. But you, like you behind the curtain know where the line is between something that's an expression of an idea or something you experienced and where the, the truth of that is. So like putting so much of yourself into the game and then being, I guess, validated for that, people found finding that, that whether it's it spoke to a certain truth or they found it to just be an interesting story and then now you feel a sense of, well, I can do that again. Is there any trepidation over, I don't know, like as you as you return to that place where time to look at myself, my experiences, put myself into the game. I just wonder if there's any pause over putting so much of yourself and those personal experiences sort of on the line as like narrative and character beats. Or are you able to kind of separate yourself from that as you're telling characters that it doesn't feel that intensely personal at the end of the day? That you're like opening a, opening a diary to some degree to the audience of like, and, and, and here's what my life experience has been like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that vulnerability was such a huge part of Citizen Sleeper. And I think that that vulnerability led to people approaching the game with vulnerability. And that created a kind of solidarity, I think, that I found to be very powerful. But I, I definitely, like, I don't want to make work that is just a kind of, like, outpouring of um, personal information, right? That kind of, like, personal essay of just, like, oh, and this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me. So I think I, I am aware of that. I guess that in part, part of the shift from Citizen Sleeper 1 to Citizen Sleeper 2 is that um, Citizen Sleeper 1 was very much about the kind of personal conditions of precarity, like being exposed to risk. For Citizen Sleeper 2, I'm really, I wanted to, I began the whole thing thinking about Crisis. And, and the DLC was kind of the beginnings of me playing about with with Crisis um, in Citizen Sleeper. So I was kind of trying to like create a soft ramp for me to explore that topic. And then if I felt like it was going somewhere, I was like, okay, I can greenlight the sequel with this focus on Crisis. So I think the difference for me between precarity and Crisis is the difference between a, like the 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 how present context is in um, what's happening. So in Citizen Sleeper, like context is kind of like far away and nebulous. Everything outside the eye is a little bit kind of soft. And sure, things come in and they cause trouble, but they they kind of were a, a distance. And it's very much about you in that intimate moment with another person or just, you know, intimate moment of kind of interior thought of fight, feeling a moment and kind of having a thought and, and having a kind of certain... Uh, moment like looking out at the eye or th th a lot of the games based on that and I think for me I wanted to kind of shift uh, and I did with the DLC shift to more like what happens when like the world comes in and the world kind of steps into that space and how does that affect that that feeling of intimacy and how does that tie you up in other people's stories in interesting ways and so I'm really eager to like to explore that more and do more kind of tying the player up in other stories, getting them in situations where they kind of feel obligated, but they they kind of have to balance those obligations with their own needs. Um, and also where they maybe have some responsibility in, in Citizen Sleeper 2 in having a ship, you actually have the capacity to offer other characters something, maybe even a, a maybe even a refuge, maybe even an escape, right? Like some characters, you might be able to get them out of their situation. Um, but the question is, do you, do you, you know, what's that cost to you? And what does it mean to do that? What, what does it mean to take responsibility for a, as part of a community? 
Um, so I think it's kind of trying to like open things up a bit and explore a little more, not just kind of saying like in Citizen Sleeper One, okay, you're on your own and then you make friends and then you all help each other, but actually like, okay, but then what happens when things go wrong in that community? What happens when somebody's somebody has trouble that follows them there or or you know somebody is causing trouble for whatever reason like how do you how do you find a way through that so that's the kind of and to me to me that aligns nicely with the the stories that i think about when i think about stories of people traveling together in a in a kind of spaceship or or it could be like even a road trip right but that feeling of like everyone's got their baggage everyone's got their stories and you kind of see the chemistry that happens there uh, you know, the game is just being announced. I'm sure you can't talk specifics on uh, or to what extent you can talk about, like, you know, how functionally mechanically it's changed. But one of the things that I'm just wondering where your head is at, uh, just more like philosophically, is one of the stories I wrote after Citizen Sleeper came out was about the way the game generates tension from the possibility or the assumption that you can die or that there is a game over and that the the progress you've made in this story for this particular character, the arcs they're experiencing could come to an end. And so frequently video games, you know, find ways to kill you early. So you have a, a sense of like, okay, what are the stakes? Like what happens when you go, what is the loop? Uh, yada, what are the save states? Yada, yada, yada. And so it's a beautiful and I thought interesting about Assistant Sleeper was we just don't, do you want to find out? Is there, do you really want to find out what's at the, like, at the bottom there? And you don't. And I, you know, I think the game has many, you know, what we talked about was like the many ways the game tries to stop you from getting to that sort of point. And there never, it never actually is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, an actual sort of game over state for the player. There are just sort of narrative reasons that you can keep going and keep experiencing the story. Um, but that was such an interesting part of the first game. I'm I'm wondering where you're at in terms of how you're treating the player, generating tension, because it sounds like, you know, this one, you're also going to be a sleeper. You're also going to have to find ways to survive, um, to, to be able to, to to keep living. Based on the response to the first game, based on your thoughts on how those systems worked in the first game, how are you thinking about how the player is treated, and I guess how survival is treated, and the threat of an end to whatever, however you might define that in the second game? Yeah, I mean, part of the... the systems that i'm trying to build into citizen sleeper 2 now involve giving myself a larger range of tools for um providing kind of like threats or like negative outcomes for the player for having like a a a more diverse set of negative outcomes than just like you lose uh, energy or you lose condition right that the kind of two core ones and trying to find ways that i can i can like pull other levers all the time and constantly be kind of like uh, putting putting the player on a kind of like uneven uneven ground or in an uncomfortable position in terms of not that I want the player to be uncomfortable but I want them to feel that improvisational quality the feeling that like oh something just happened and now I have to react now I have to use my dice to to like work against that and I think that's also like a a kind of part of the the idea of entropy and crisis and kind of like things being pulled apart or like separating trying to hold together a group of people trying to hold together uh, uh, your own ship trying to hold together your own physical body trying to just stay sane like all of that feed that kind of like those scales of um trying to keep it together trying to keep going i think are the things that i'm trying to build systems that allow me to then like pull on different parts of those at different times so that maybe there's a bit more of a like a, a richer like a richer kind of 
downfall and then decline like you're declining in different ways and in different places i think one of the things that i don't think is a problem with citizen sleeper but it's something that i'm kind of trying to change is that the decline in citizen sleeper is kind of like consistent and it's kind of depressingly consistent and it's i like i, I really enjoyed you know something purposeful in the design to give that feeling of like each day it's a little like things get a little harder um and you can kind of see that coming a long way off it's approaching you from far away uh, this kind of like end this this sense of death like the sense of like or your body falling apart or as you said like what happens i don't know what it is but it's coming for me <laughs> and i know that it's gonna be there soon and it and i, I think that's the quality that citizen sleeper one has but i was like i don't want to just go back and do that again so i think in citizen sleeper two it's very much about um the potential of a building up to a crisis so it's very much like you push you can push your luck and you can push you can kind of just keep pushing your luck and you can keep trying to get those good roles you can keep trying to like put a one in something and get the 50 50 but in citizen sleeper 2 when things break bad they start spiraling and then you have to start to kind of like correct and if you don't correct fast enough then things spiral on top of other things and there's there's tools that i'm building that allow me to to do that and what i'm hoping from that is that it gives a much more live sense to the game so that it's it's not necessarily about that day-to-day -day grind uh it's about kind of really trying to just like keep something on the road trying to you're trying to like keep your ship on the road you're trying to keep your crew together you're trying to like get a good contract so that you can like just maybe like get enough fuel to get to the next place and then you know and so you're always running on that like thin edge and that's where the the balancing and the systems are, are kind of coming in with citizen sleeper too the the nature of basically any sequel and i've heard you use this you know this word multiple times and talking about it is is more right and so <laughs> more can sure. mean a lot of things it doesn't necessarily have to mean it's that much bigger or that much more ambitious but it's it's more of something like it's it's drawn you to the world to tell more of something there um it does sound like the systems are going to be sort of like more complicated more nuanced at the very least and probably that the player is juggling more um on a, on a moment to moment basis as a designer as a writer like how are you keeping all of how are you keeping track of that did you come up with a brand new process for how you wanted to manage just keeping the whole game in front of you as you are putting it together or were you able to kind of follow a similar kind of design process that you worked out as you as you made citizen sleeper so the fun thing about making a sequel this time around is that i have a game that is also been through like three <laughs> dlc cycles and is pretty stable and it's it's pretty my tools are really well developed having made you know each of those dlcs took me uh, a month between a month and two months to make each so i've got got a very like strong pipeline for like building the game and so when i was thinking about the sequel and i started having ideas about like well i'd like to bring this into the die system and i'd like to bring these ideas here and i'd like to add this i can I could actually just sit there and just hack citizen sleeper um, <laughs> and just be like what does it feel like if i play citizen sleeper but these rules apply and what does it feel like if i play it but these rules apply and i could very quickly start to to sketch it out i also went back to paper prototyping went back because it's a dice game just went back to like playing it with a handful of dice and some note cards and kind of like plotting how i felt and like what 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 kind of was working and not working and that allowed me to kind of refine the the systems um but just i kind of you know making a sequel i'm hacking them in to the game in a certain way and that, that gives me a lot more freedom to i don't know like play play games with what already exists um to kind of like 
mess around with the rules. And that's why in the trailer, I also wanted to kind of like announce that a little bit by being like making a, a kind of in-joke for um, Citizen Sleeper players or like a surprise joke by being like, oh, stabilize, you know, like you don't need this anymore. You don't need stabilizer anymore. And kind of like just throw that out there and say like, yeah, so what? So what did, what does this mean now? Um, <laughs> because that was a question that I was also thinking about. So yeah, it's it, it's it's a really fun process. And I think the, the difference is also like having that strong core and that strong identity of the game and all that engineering work under the hood, it means that even within a similar development period, I get to spend a lot more time on content, on stories, on characters, on like filling the world than I did with Citizen Sleeper, just because the, the engineering is there already. So there is a kind of inherent part, I think, that comes with that sequels mean more situation, which is that if you're working on an existing tool base, you probably with the first game like squeezed all the like writing in at the end while you know and now i've got like a nice long stretch like this you know we we're announcing this super early to just put the flag in the sand and say like citizen sleeper will continue like expect this to be a thing we're doing the tabletop game um you know we're doing the design works book i'm kind of like yeah you can follow along the other thing we're doing sorry i know i'm kind of just like listing things no now, please but other- that's that's part of this but the other the other thing we're doing is a thing called Hellion Dispatches, which is um, it's on my Substack, and it's essentially I'm going to be writing a monthly fictional kind of like updates. They're like transcripts from a pirate radio station that's broadcasting out of a refugee ship in the system, and they cover the time jump from Citizen Sleeper One to Citizen Sleeper Two, and that's like yet another experiment that I'm doing. I'm like, okay, let's do some linear fiction. Uh, in this space, let's do it as an email, serialized email thing. Um, I'm I'm having fun. I'm you know people gave me a license to go out there and do some things, so I'm making animated trailers. I'm doing uh, email narrative <laughs> series, and I'm I'm hacking my own game. I, I'm just this is what happens when people say, "Give me a thumbs up." I'm just like, okay, let's go. Let's just keep going. No, I, I look. I feel in a similar boat with you know the between the launch of, you know, Citizen Sleeper and then us talking is the, you know, the launch of a remap and, you know, us right, kind of yeah, bringing yeah. Waypoint under this kind of new brand. And I, I have to admit, you know, when, now that this is my own thing, a huge part of my livelihood, and I was like, the kinds of podcast ideas I am writing down for this degenerate <laughs> fan base that has said, no, you should go deeper. And it's like, okay, but do you know... Do you know what you have asked for? Do you know what that implies? Do you know where my head is going? And that's that's a really, that's a very cool place to be, and uh, it's a cool place for me as like you know someone who 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 writes and talks on podcasts for for some reason this is where I've ended up. But I have to mention also for you to have that. There's no longer the worry of like will people find this interesting? You know that they've given you the the the, the kind of the leash to get out there and just like keep trying those things. We liked what you did before. There's a good chance we're going to like what you do now, and that that's got to be a really exciting place to be. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is super exciting. I mean, the yeah, like getting to do a kind of like justifying to my publisher, like doing a big animated trailer and just being like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to. I want. I want to. I want to make this happen, and I want it to be like. A, I want to throw in this thing about stabilizer, and I. I. I want to punch up like as a you know because like. The major, you know, I'm I'm the person who makes Citizen Sleeper, right? It's me. Um, like Amos does the music, and I put that in the game. Guillaume does the art, I put that in the game. But the, the person with the hands on the game is me, and so I really enjoy this feeling of like, of kind of just going wild for a solo developer and doing things that maybe people don't expect, or kind of just just like behaving 
um, like the big guys, but also <laughs> like doing it with different values is is fun. So that's yeah. People give me that energy. I get that they get like a an energy from seeing all the people still recommending Citizen Sleeper like on Twitter every day. People out there like replying to people being like, "Oh, you should play this game." It, it just gives me the energy to be like, yeah, let's let's try some things. Let's see what, see how far this thing will go. <laughs> uh, last question before I let you go. Um, we, right before we started recording, you you propped up. You were kind enough to find a nicer microphone. You had one around. And then you did what many of us do in the podcasting business, which was prop it up on something. And you were going to start with books. But then you told me right before that you did DS games. And so I just have to ask which DS games are featured today underneath your microphone. What have we been lucky enough to be near during this conversation? Yeah, well, they're not uh, exactly masterpieces, so <laughs> this is maybe slightly embarrassing. But they're the, they're the, I discovered this thing that there's... Um, I love games set underwater, hence making In Other Waters way back mm-hmm. in the day, and I, I can never get enough of them. There's never enough good underwater games in my mind. So right now I've got Planet Rescue Ocean Patrol, which mm-hmm. is a complete, like... You run an aquarium on an island um, and you like go out and rescue creatures and then you put them in your aquarium and you feed them and you use the DS stylus to like put medicine on their wounds. Uh, this is the, you know how many, well, you've got kids, like the amount of uh, iPhone, iPad yeah, yeah. games that I have played that are like this variety of, uh, my, 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 my youngest is, I don't it's some princess one and it's. It's hands, and it's like, oh, there's a boo boo, and you got to put in like, but it's all this like r- rub on the screen with a different item. Uh, I have I have played so many of these last yeah, couple yeah. Of years, but I remember this specific brand of pets. Like the logo is familiar to me from that yeah. era because they released a billion other things. Like when you click this on Amazon, you get pets o- rescue ocean patrol, and then pets wild animals dolphins with a z dolphins with a z like that is the energy we are out here with is incredible this is the pure trash that i play no this is this is this this is my i i just like picked up my ds and i was like i want to play a game where i where i like pet a sea turtle or like just put it in my cute aquarium and i yeah i don't know playing it on ds makes it there's something about the kind of like weird pseudo 3d ds graphics of this game mm-hmm. as well that's just like it's like that whole low pan, low poly animals like twitter account right it's just like sea turtles that are made out of four polygons <laughs> it's really it's something like deeply nostalgic and incredibly cute about that to me versus the kind of ipad version so yeah the but i'm i especially because i'm a solo developer i think i love to go and pick like random games from the past and t- like take tiny inspirations from them and I think like DS and portable games, uh, GBA games and stuff are incredibly good references because they work with a lot of limitations. They're mm. incredibly good. And so actually I can learn tons from them because I just go back and look at them and I'm like, oh, they've, this is how they've cut this corner. This is how they've done this. And, and because it's just me working, I actually like love to look at old portable games and cherry pick little bits and pieces from them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm going to pretend that that's, there's some like serious research reason why I was playing planet rescue ocean patrol or uh dolphin island fantasy something whatever the <laughs> other one that on. but it's also just because i'm i have a, a very deep down basic need for for sea creature it's, uh, it's, all, it's all right you know i i don't have to sit here and justify why i watch like the fourth chucky movie um like it's cool like we we can all have our things and those can just be those can be the things but i'm glad that hopefully you know at some time in the future 
we'll revisit this conversation when Citizen Sleeper 2 is coming out, and I will ask, like, what did the Dolphins game tell you about Citizen Sleeper? If there's a dolphin, if there, if you put a dolphin or some dolphin equivalent in Citizen Sleeper 2, it better have a Z, and then I'll know, like, we came full circle to this conversation. So Yeah, I mean, you know, the, yeah, there's, like, one structurally really cool thing in this game, which is that the, the, every day they give you one thing you have to do in the zoo, um, like, that before you can go to bed you can't go to bed mm. until you've done this one thing so they're like okay you have to cure the sickness of this one dolphin and you do that and then you're like oh i should go check on all the an- other animals and then and it basically gets you playing the game like it's a really clever it's a really elegant trick in a game that is generally not elegant or cleverly made <laughs> but it's like just by rather than giving you and it, it means that you don't have like a long to-do list of stuff that you're like god i gotta do all this stuff but you're just like oh there's one thing i have to do okay i'll do it and then you get sucked into other stuff so anyway there's the that's the design insight i got from from that game so yeah See, i'm always looking always justified looking. justified well uh, i know that you said this is sort of just uh putting out a flag letting people know that you're working on it so uh obviously seems like the game's probably a ways out in terms of people actually being able to sit down and play it but what is what in the near term what can people look forward to what should they be uh, mentioned i know you mentioned the sort of fiction stuff that's happening but like you did the list before but in terms of what people should look for after listening to this the game's announced what should they be following in the, the coming weeks and months? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just launched a website that I made myself called citizensleeper.com, which was very fun. I'm surprised nobody bought that out from under me. I'm amazed <laughs> that I, I, I bought it like at least a year after the game came out. Um, some people should be faster on that. Um, so yeah, I just launched citizensleeper.com, which has like a load of stuff that is happening. Uh, the main thing is the Hellion Dispatches, which are, are these like fiction thing you can find on my Substack. Um those will be like kind of the narrative journey for the rest of the year. Uh, we also just did the tabletop RPG. Um, and it's, well, actually, yeah. The, so the, we did we did start the funding campaign for a tabletop RPG, solo tarot-based tabletop RPG adaptation of Citizen Sleeper One, and a kind of art book with the publisher Lost in Cult. And that um, is going to have a load of Citizen Sleeper 2 material from the trailer because the trailer itself was like a short film project, really. We worked with an animation studio. Guillaume, the, the games artist, like did a huge amount of work for it. And all of that prep work, storyboards, character sketches and stuff is going to go in that art book. Um, so that's going to be super cool. So those are kind of like the main things that will be happening over the next like year. And then um, like next year is when we will be kind of like saying okay here's gameplay here's screenshots here's me showing you how the game works here are the systems and stuff like this but i'm gonna be writing this fiction stuff and going away into my game dev cave and um slaving away on citizen sleeper 2 now but um yeah if people want to keep up i think any of those links on citizensleeper.com will will get them somewhere Excellent. Well, I can think of. I think that I think this will land in the first or second episode of 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 remap, and so I can think of no better way for us to kick all this off than uh, to have you on. So, Gareth, uh, thank you for joining us. Congrats on the announce of Citizen Sleeper Two, and uh, we anxiously await uh, learning more in the future. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a genuine honor, and I wish you the most luck possible with Remap. I will be watching from the sidelines the whole time. So, yeah, go crazy. <laughs> Thank you. We will. We will.